everyone, welcome to Stacking Growth. I'm Sam Keenley, and today we'll be chatting with Ashley Lewin about paid marketing's influence on organic marketing's results. So, many marketers and business leaders look at paid media in a silo today. If we put an X dollars in the paid this channel, we should expect to get Y out of that paid channel. But what if we said that there's a really strong correlation between paid media and your organic and direct results? Would you believe us? So every now and then, marketers get that gut feeling, there's a connection between things, but because they can't prove them, because they don't have the data, they fall by the wayside. Ashley and I pulled on this thread, see if there's a connection that exists, and what we found might just surprise you. So, Ashley, you recently shared an example on LinkedIn of how paid efforts impacted organic and direct results. Around the same time, another member of our team surfaced the same type of insight to me regarding a different client. So, do you think there's something really at play that connects these two? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I think the really cool part about this is that Sam and I will be digging into two very different use cases with data. So support the sense, you know, we have that gut feeling, but we have the data from two very different cases that we'll be digging into. Um, so I definitely think that there's a correlation. Love it. And what's the, what's the use case that you're going to explain today? Yeah, so my use case is very um, rare. I will just call it off right away. Not many companies will completely shut off paid for a period of time. Uh, and this is the case that I ran into um, where paid completely stopped for a couple of months. Um, so you really got to see the correlation there. There was no ifs, ands, what's about it. So got to see it from that point of view. So just to give you a little bit of background, so all paid efforts were paused for about roughly three months. So in that time frame, um, I pulled a little bit of data to <laughs> support this hunch because I was watching, you know, Salesforce and all the great stuff that we're constantly watching for. And also I was looking at a little bit of site traffic as well because I really wanted to see if this hypothesis was true. So in this time frame, I looked at organic and direct lead sources in Salesforce for deals created, and that fell for about roughly 50%. So just from shutting off paid, organic and direct lead sources for deals created fell by roughly 50%. That is an astounding number, I feel like. Um, and you can really see that strong impact there. Um, this was about, this was taken, the 50% was from previous month averages. I'll just say that too. So I was looking at like, what were the previous months that I was comparing against versus that time frame, And that was where the average came from. Um, and then I also looked at organic and direct site traffic uh, and saw that that decreased by 40 to 60% as well from the previous month averages. Which I found really, really interesting as well because we're talking about deals created, which that can have a lagging effect, of course, but we're looking also just at site traffic. Um, and so I think this really also like really leans into this critical need to look at marketing in a blended view uh, instead of looking at it in a siloed channel lens, which I think we're all somewhat guilty of. It's kind of, you know, where marketers are really faced right now. It's like, cool, like, does it really, or, you know, impact organic? Um, we, of course, would see direct lead sources go down, but, you know, is it impacting it? And this is a really great case to say, like, hey, you really need to look at it at a blended view instead of in that, you know, siloed channel lens. Uh, marketing is a multi-channel machine that works really well together to get to your ultimate goal, which is, of course, customers, our favorite metric. Um, and if you only look at that last touch attribution lens, you're going to miss out on a lot of growth and dismiss being customer focused too. If you're only really looking at that, you're not thinking of the customer, you're not thinking of the customer journey, you're not thinking about how they want to engage with content and education in your brand as well. So I would also say that this effect that I saw when shutting off paid um, 
into, you know, site traffic and deals and all the great metrics that we're looking at a lot. I would say this also really reflects to um, how we look and see success here at Refine Labs um, with clients um, when implementing paid strategies. We typically see an increase in organic, direct, and uh, branded page search results in correlation of when we start our Refine Labs playbook, as we like to coin it, with the paid strategies. Um, and it's usually a little bit of a lag period, too. So like if we implement it, we usually see a lag period of it really depends on the average sales cycle, but I'm going to just say roughly about three-ish months if we're looking at like a 30 to 60-day sales cycle. So I think this also is a really strong correlation with what we see typically with clients. It was cool to see it um, with this hypothesis of, t you know, turning off paid and all that great stuff. Um, I would say also like breaking out by channel is great when you're trying to analyze trends for insights but it shouldn't be the main inputs um, or reports for goal setting. You really have to look at this holistically uh, and from a blended approach to see the really, you know, the strong effect spends has on organic. Um, I'll keep going a little bit, but before I do that, I'll take a breath. And Sam, do you have any questions on those results that I just kind of rambled off a little bit there? Yeah, I mean, you ran the test that I've always wanted to run, but I've never <laughs> wanted to run. And it's like, well, let's shut it off. You think that, you know, marketing is improving or doing anything. I'll turn it off. Like, you never want to do that. <laughs> but what's also so funny is I always remember looking at um, former company. We implemented multi-touch attribution and we started mm -hmm. to break out and see like direct organic. Oh, it carries so much weight, so much pipeline, so much revenue. And they think, well, how do we invest more in direct and organic? We need to do more SEO. And then... It's almost like when you explain this, I think, does the reverse of that conversation ever happen where is SEO not working anymore? Or do they, do they immediately go to thinking like those channels aren't working when the reality is one big variable changed. We didn't change our website. We didn't change any of the content that was producing. It was just, are we showing up in front of the right people at the same rate that we used to be before to create that awareness? Yeah, no, I think that's so important to notice. And it, it makes me reflect back on early in my marketing career too. I remember evaluating data with a leader and we noticed, of course, direct and organic produced the best type of leads for the company. It was the most profitable, you know, all the great things. And like, cool, we can't really drive that though. Like that's not a lever we can necessarily pull. And if I could go back to early marketing career, Ashley, I would say, yes, you can. It's just not going to be in the way that you were taught, you know, with the 2008 marketing playbook. It's a little bit of a more of a correlation effect and you have to look at it in a more high view. And so if I could go back, I could say like, yes, of course you can impact that direct and organic. It's just going to be in a different way. And it's running your marketing in a way that centers truly around the customer. It's running paid that's not trying to get someone to fill out a form either natively on that paid platform or on your site with an ebook that honestly nobody reads. I remember even call, I, I've done SDR calls on leads that I had previously acquired. And if you really want to test it out, I strongly encourage calling leads that you are um, acquiring because they'd be like, who is this company? What do you do? I downloaded what? So yes, you can definitely impact it. Um, it's just going to be in a different way. Yeah. Oh, man. Giving me flashbacks to my, my SDR days. Um, hardest job I've ever had right there, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh so, yeah, as you talk then about how you tell, you know, uh, previous Ashley about that, it sounds like you would take that insight and almost say your attribution isn't quite what you think it is relying on that. So it sounds like you might have a thought around what you do um, if you could go back and do that now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like we could spin this into a little bit of a teaser to go and listen to our content on hybrid attribution, um, because I think that is a critical piece in the puzzle here, is taking the qualitative and the quantitative data together. So you're asking your customers, how did you hear about us? So, you know, we run this test here at Refine Labs, and we get a mass majority coming from organic or SEO. We don't do organic and SEO here. Uh, and so when we also compare it against the um, how did you hear about us field, it's these paid channels that you would normally write off or that we stopped doing, you know, it's podcasts, it's LinkedIn, whatever you have it. Um, so I would definitely recommend doing that. Um, the other pieces, which I know we'll cover at the very end, and I want to make sure it's all packaged together. So if you have your notebook and pen out, you can put it all together. But you really need to look at your metrics blended. So what that means is holistically. So you're going to take all of your marketing spend, and you're going to divide that out and figure out your marketing CAC, your marketing payback period, your blended cost per um, opportunity created, um, all those great metrics. And you're really going to look at it as a high level view because at the end of the day, it doesn't really quite matter how someone gets to your funnel. It just matters if they become a customer. So I really highly encourage everyone to look at marketing in a blended view and a holistic view and then to also evaluate doing hybrid attribution because it will, you know, help answer a lot of those attribution questions that we've been trying to answer and that we got a little bit of you know insight on with shutting off paid i will say so since we did shut off paid we have turned it back on recently um nothing quite to update here i wish i had a like a impactful number to tell you all but nothing quite yet um i will also know it's about a 90 percent decrease on the spend that we were doing uh so you know, it's not going to see the same impact, which was going to lead really nicely into Sam's experience. Um, one last thing that I'll call out, because I think it's really important, especially when you are talking about completely shutting off paid, is, you know, in marketing, the investments or the lack thereof that you're making in this exact moment today are for the future. Most companies won't see a direct hit immediately when paid stops. However, they're really going to feel that pain in a couple of months, and that was true in this case as well. You know, on day one when paid stopped, it wasn't like the engine stopped. However, just, you know, it's like you're running out of gas on the highway in your car. It just slowly starts slowing down until you're at a complete stop. Um, so I would say that's also something to, important to remember, especially as marketers when you're talking to leaders and so on, is the investments that you're making today are really for the future. Um, with that, though, and um, talking about, like, you know, scaling the spend, too, and how that has an impact on direct and organic, Sam, I know you have a really cool scenario as well where you saw a little bit of the flip side where it wasn't that you shut off paid completely, but you, um, you know, saw different percentages of the spend and how it really impacted the organic and direct as well. So I want to hear your case and what you saw as well. Yeah, so this one was interesting in the sense of we had a, about a six-month window. We were fluctuating in terms of the spend. Some months we'd increase the spend, some months we had to decrease the spend. So all recently, so the same reasons that everyone's been seeing today, you know, economic conditions, we want to um, increase our pipeline quick for our growing sales team. So for many of us who are working with a sales-led experience, when you think like get a demo, talk to sales, we often feel like we see a correlation between increase and decrease spend and the business results. But when you're in a space where it's something like you could be spending a thousand to three thousand dollars per demo, if you don't have a large budget, it's really hard to tell what turning that budget up or down by ten to fifteen thousand dollars per month means because you're looking at okay, maybe a difference of 
one to, to six demos. Is that significant? It's really hard to say, and there's often other variables at play. So this is where looking at data that's either a product-led, so free trial, or a dual motion, so sales-led and free trials, go-to-market can help since the barrier to the hand raiser is a lot lower. So in this example, uh, I'll talk about data from a dual motion go-to-market where they offer both the get-a-demo experience as well as a free trial motion. And so to lay out the data, what we did when we were analyzing this, we looked at some core metrics. It was really just three big ones that we'll focus on. Ad spend, the reach, so uh, to set campaigns to this objective, effectively it becomes a factor of spend. And then the ICP hand raiser, so the sum of the people who either requested a demo or signed up for the free trial. Because they had the dual motion, we could see very clear correlations from changes in spend and reach levels, and we used a 30-day window post-change. So it took us a few months to start to see this, but it was because we had these fluctuations in um, drastically increasing the spend and then having to pull back that we saw the, the post-30-day kind of uh, the wind down the highway, as you, as you said a little bit ago. So what we looked at was the baseline before us. We found that they were spending about enough to reach 83,000 people per month, and it would generate 49 hand raisers. So I like to use that just to level set on, okay, previous spend, and then as we start to go up and down, what's that mean? So in month one, what we did was we increased our spend to get in front of 132,000 people. So this is a 59% increase, and that drove 104 hand raisers, so over 112% increase. Uh, in this time, we also created new audiences, which were really focused on tightening the ICP targeting and um, wanted to validate that moving forward. So the combination here was spend plus more effective targeting. Month two, what we wanted to, uh, not so much what we wanted to do, but we were starting to feel the beginning of this, this economic impact. So they said we didn't quite have the funds to continue at the same pace, so we had to pull back, spend a little bit. It was just about an 8% decrease, and we saw over the next 30 days that that led to um, an 11% decrease in hand raisers at that time. So coincidence, I don't know, we're kind of wondering what's going on here at that time. So month three, really had to pull back a bit on the budget, um, pulled back another 23%, and then again, we saw the drop in the hand raisers. So, there's clearly this connection going on at this time. So we shared this with them. We said, hey, we've got this theory. Your spend and reach are very closely correlated or appear to be with the hand raisers. Are you all open to testing it? So they go to their board, or not their board, their, their executive team and ask for a little bit more budget. So we basically went back up to the same amount of spend that we were in month one. So increased the spend 37% from the previous month, and over the next 30 days, we increased hand raisers back to um, 113, so 40% increase. So, I mean, it's crazy to get this type of immediate feedback, but we're like, okay, we're on to something. Month five, let's mm -hmm. keep pushing it. Is this gonna scale? So we increased our spend even more, uh, 13%. We saw another um, increase in hand raisers by about 10%. So we got to the point where we could almost, with confidence, say for every 1,200 people that we reach, before diminishing returns, so um, you can only reach so many people on LinkedIn for your audience size, but we knew that we could drive a new ICP hand raiser from that. So it's a really cool experiment. Again, I think it's a little bit easier because the barrier to entry was a little bit lower with the, the dual motion, but to the point earlier, like does spend influence overall impact because these were not direct response off of social. We were seeing people come in, more often than not, direct, organic, all the other traditional channels but they did implement the, the hybrid attribution you are talking about earlier. So we did start to see LinkedIn show out more and more as we had the months where we were spending more. So it's a, it's a crazy example, but 
it's really nice when we can validate some of these things that for so long we wish we could tell our previous selves, like there is something there, you just have to pull that thread a little bit more and, and know what to look for in the data. That's such a cool like experience and experiment. I'm a little jealous that uh, you got to be a part of that because like you said, it's always something that we're looking for is to see that strong correlation and to be able to report back on it in that strong of a sense as well. Um, I'm really curious with the hybrid attribution too. Like, you know, we had this hypothesis, you were able to um, ask for a little bit more budget from executives as well. Uh, how did you use that in proving your theory as well? Um, was it part of it? Like, what was the story around it and how did you use that for your hypothesis? Yeah, so the hybrid attribution came a little bit later after we made that ask, so it was used more to justify like what we were doing. So it was like an, an additional um, you know, flag in the ground to say like this is working and now we can validate it not only from like this clear correlation, but we now have your prospects coming in and we're seeing at a higher rate they're talking about LinkedIn, Facebook, these other places where they're learning about you, but they previously weren't talking about you were getting the traditional online research or, you know, my, my colleague mentioned you, something like that. But there is definitely that supporting trend. So now when you've got two different data points validating this, it makes it harder for them to ignore when you want to go back for whether it's the upcoming budget year or something else to say, like, if you pull back, you know it's going to happen. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm also curious, like, how are you using this, these findings for future budget planning and goal setting? I think, you know, that's such a cool correlation. I think a lot of um, operators and leaders will be able to cling to that as ways to pull different growth levers within their plans of, um, you know, goal setting for the next year and things like that. I'm really curious how you're using it as kind of like a go forward plan. Yeah, so this would be something like that final insight where we say, we've got your ICP dialed in, and we know that for every 1,200 people that we reach in a month, you're going to get a hand raiser out of it. So say their audience is 100,000 people, we know that 30 to 40% will be on LinkedIn in a given time frame. We'll say, if you really want to grow, um, let's see how much do we need to spend to reach 30 to 40% of these people each month, and then you can work backwards from, okay, if that reaches 40,000 people, takes 1,200, that means we're gonna get whatever mental math comes out, just under 30-ish uh, hand raisers. So not the real numbers in, in this case, but that's how you can start to back into some things like that because one thing that marketers sometimes like to pretend doesn't exist is a point of diminishing returns. Spoiler alert, point of diminishing returns does exist. So you can't quite ignore it, but you can use that to think about, okay, if we can get in front of this many people per month, and continue to really build the momentum, that number is gonna get more efficient over time as well as more people remember you because the other thing is they are in current contracts, their budget seasons aren't always hitting at the same time. So you're gonna get more efficient the more that you stay in front of them and have it become less of a you versus the competition when they enter the market trying to figure out, I have a problem, I don't know who to go to. Now it's, I have a problem and I know who exactly to go to. So that 1200 number is gonna become 1100, become 1000 and should hopefully continue to, to really pay dividends over time. Yeah, and I'm really glad that you talked about the point of diminishing return too, and you were able to run this test to really test that theory out too, um, because there is a point of diminishing return, and there's a, there's a point where you will cap on a certain channel. Typically, we'll have like your MVP channels, so pay, say it's paid LinkedIn, and then it's, you know, let's say Facebook or whatever it may be, really running these tests of kind of the throttling of the spend and seeing the correlation and then figuring out where your point of diminishing return is. I think that's a really interesting um, experiment to be running and to also prove out for your company is to figure out where you cap out 
in a channel and then when you need to look for your next stair step of growth. So which, when is it time to get to your next channel? When do you need to implement something like Reddit or Twitter, whatever it may be? Um, that's a whole other conversation that we won't dive into because I think we would spend hours talking about that. Yes, exactly. And those are just the paid ones that you mentioned. I mean, going to yeah. your website, very rarely are everyone's websites really optimized well. So there's probably so many different things that we can be doing with their conversion points and everything else to even make that um, working working better. So um, for those listening, I think let's talk a little bit more about like how can they spot it in their own data or what, how can we make this actionable for them? So one thing I always like to look at is attribution versus correlation. So attribution, uh, as we spoke about earlier, it's, it's helpful, but minimal data is really going to be passed through. Sometimes you'll start to see a few user conversions if you apply view through in a platform like LinkedIn alongside the, the click through conversions. It's helpful to get insight into some of the audiences, the campaigns that you're running, the content types, but where you'll start to see it become more useful for you is the correlation side of it, that gut feeling that you sometimes get, but you just quite can't prove. And so this is where you need to start rabbit holing and see if there's something there, which is what we, we started to do here. So in the example that I shared, one of the things that I was looking at was like ad reach and its correlation with direct and organic traffic. So alongside the hand raisers, we did see that overall traffic was coming up from those along with branded, organic, and paid search phrases for the company's name. Um, ad reach and hand raisers, so that's exactly what we went through. And other correlations that you can look at are things like employee organic sharing and inbound business requests. So I know there's a number of companies that have um, maybe one to two people who are very vocal, others that have a number of people on the platform, and when you aren't running paid or there's other ways, I mean, that is a phenomenal way to really establish awareness in the market and let people know what it is that you can, you can help them with. So along with those, um, I mean, if you are thinking about what's working, if you want to understand what's in marketing, what's going on, but you don't want to get into the channel level attribution, the channel level correlations, um, how are you approaching that? Yeah, so when I look at metrics, the ones that I'm really looking at is I'm looking at marketing blended. So I'm looking at your total ops that you're creating, your total qualified opportunities, so anything with a deal stage that closes at 25% or greater um, consistently. And then I'm looking at what the win rate is, um, all the sales efficiency metrics, so average sales cycle, um, ACV, your pipeline velocity, all those great things. So I'm looking at that at a blended level. And so then when I find something that's either going up or down, that's when I like to ask a further question of why are ops down? So in this case, for instance, in my scenario, ops went down. So my first question is, I have a hypothesis that it was due to pain. And so that's when I structured the data rabbit hole, uh, figuring out if it was correlated to that. But if it's not that, there's other things that could be going on in your marketing too. It's just really first asking what the hypothesis is. I think that is critical before you go and do a data dig to figure out what's going on is you need to ask a data hypothesis before, otherwise you will spend hours in spreadsheets and your CRM looking for any noise instead of signals within your data. So you could also look at in your marketing, like, is there anything else that has changed as well? So have you refined your targeting? Have you implemented new messaging? Have you updated your website or done any CRO adjustments? Launched a podcast? Any, um, 
you know, subject matter experts starting to share on social, new fundraising announcement, new product or feature announcement, the list could go on and on. You also need to look at what other uh, variables are at play to figure out what it is. But I think it really truly starts at one, having your core metrics. So you need to make sure you have your strong KPIs that your marketing is being judged against. And if it's leads, uh, that's another conversation. Take a pause and look at the, the pipeline uh, metrics there. But look at those. And when you start to see something go up or down, uh, it's I encourage people to form a hypothesis and then start to go down those um, and figure out why. And so, you know, I have a hunch, which, by the way, as a marketer, when you have hunches, those are very strong. And you should really lean into those hunches um, because sometimes it's, it's the art of uh, marketing. It's, you know, you're taking the science and you have the hunch, which is the art. Um, and go down those rabbit holes to figure out what it is, so to peel back the layers a little bit. So overall, I would look at the blended. Um, also, if you are throttling paid or if you're shutting paid off or if you're not sure if paid is working well for you and your company, another thing I would look at is efficiency metrics. So what's your ad CAC, ad CAC payback period, things like that. If your ad CAC payback period is over six months, then that would be a sign to me that something is not resonating within your paid or there's something else going on too. So then that would form a hypothesis of, hey, I don't think our targeting is working or, hey, I don't think this is the right channel, whatever it may be. So I also like to look at those efficiency metrics. Um, which metrics uh, am I missing that you typically like to look at as well, Sam? I think you've covered the main ones, and this is a question that I get asked all the time. Um, when you are looking at these different metrics, I know we said, you know, lead metrics, you know, different conversation for another time, but when you're starting to look at pipelines down, payback periods, are you looking at those weekly, monthly, quarterly? What's your time frame to say, like, what's the appropriate time to before you should be reacting to it or starting to form that hypothesis? Yeah, I, I actually think this really depends on the company and how fast your pipeline moves through. But typically, I like to have yearly benchmarks. So I like to use the company's data to have yearly benchmarks that I keep in the back of my mind or in a spreadsheet open to compare against. Uh, and then I like to look at it quarterly. Um, and then I like to also have a pulse on it um, monthly and probably bi-monthly as well. Um, that doesn't mean that anything needs to change. Uh, business is too volatile to make weekly changes. If you're going to look at it at a weekly basis, you're going to hurt yourself with growth. If you are constantly like, oh my gosh, we're down, we need to fix this. It could just be a myriad of reasons of why it's down in a week. I would not panic, hit the panic button just quite yet. I would wait until you see the quarterly, um, but also look at it monthly too. I do think that's important. Like if you notice a very strong trend that's happening on week over week into your monthly reviews, then I do think that's a time to not wait until it's too late and to make a call. But I do think it takes a lot of judgment, uh, you know, strong judgment in order to make that. But typically I recommend look at your data and a yearly benchmark and then really evaluate it quarterly as well. I like that because that's I think, something we get trapped into is being able to recognize, is it a blip that we bounce back from or is it a, a trend line that you need to start to course correct? So cool. Well, I think this was uh, this was probably one of my favorite conversations to, today, getting into the data and really nerding out over over all this. So um, yeah, I guess to, to sum up some of our conversation today, it's one, paid absolutely influences organic performance. Uh, there's God knows how many different variables that can impact the relationship. But uh, as you said, get curious, start asking questions, form that hypothesis, and then see what you can find. But um, as you said, those, those hunches are usually onto something. So this has been fun, Ashley. I'm, I'm glad we got to catch up about this.
Yeah, I had a blast too. Um, I feel like this is every marketer's dream conversation here. I got a lot of feedback when I talked about this on LinkedIn. I think I got a, oh my gosh, I'm not alone type of response of, I've had this idea, but I've never been able to have the data to prove it. So Sam and I did the work for you. You're not alone. Um, there's definitely a correlation. Love it. Well, this was fun. We'll definitely have to do a, a follow-up as we continue to come across more of these examples, but it's great catching up. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, everyone.